You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. You, you feel this this nervousness on the phone there? Sir, I've been trying to make an urgent phone call up there. Well, I don't think it's something I want to do on an overseas phone. You got to make some phone calls. Hang up the phone. Prank call. Prank call. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to Packernet After Dark. This is the call-in show of the Packernet Podcast Network. If you'd like to call in, if you'd like to participate in the show, please feel free to do so. Phone number here is 608-501-0718. New callers go directly to the front of the line, and the phone lines are now officially open. Um, so hopefully you're not calling, trying to leave a message and don't realize. But you got to be on your toes, man. Got to hit that little bell button, you know what I mean? So you know, get the notification, everything's going live. Anyways, uh, in the meantime, let's start with Trucker Bob. Hey, Ryan. Hey. Trucker Bob here. Trucker Bob. Doing our cross-country thing. We're in uh, Oklahoma, having come from Phoenix, Arizona, and heading for Dover, Delaware. Nice. Anyways, I've got a couple things I'd like to ask you questions on. First, um, talk about Jersey Mike and the crazy New, Jer- New Jersey drivers. Yeah. Um, our truck has uh, radar on it, and I could tell the distance of a vehicle in front of me and what speed they're going. Uh, for instance, uh, if there's a car in front of me, it'll tell me it's 488 feet ahead, going 65 miles an hour. Um, it also tells me the speed of vehicles that are passing me up. And when I've been in Jersey, it has not been unusual if somebody goes flying past me on the turnpike out there at 80, 90 miles per hour. So, yes, Jersey drivers do do that. However, the record happened to us when I was out in Louisiana at 3 o'clock in the morning one night out at I-10. This group of motorcycles, like about a half a dozen of them, went past me at 3 a.m., and it clocked them at 118 miles an hour. Scared the crap out of me. It was like a bunch of roaring lions all of a sudden showing up and being right outside your left window. Anyways, I have two questions for you about tonight's game, and I really enjoyed um, our defensive line. Really looks good at starting defensive line. But my question is this. They said in the game that defensive coordinator or defensive coach, Barry, is now sitting up in the press box looking down on the field. My question is, do you think that will actually give him a better view of the game? what the offense and defense is doing versus being on the sideline. Can he actually coach better from up there than on the sideline? And then my second question is, don't you think Green Bay is going to have to keep four running backs on the 53 roster since both Taylor and Wilson have both shown they belong? I mean, Wilson is really impressive. That that guy knows how to smell out a hole and go bursting through it. And Taylor's just such a good all-around back doing everything that they ask of him. He can block, he can play special teams, he can run, he can catch. He's a good all-around player. So because of these two, do you not think Green Bay's going to have to put four running backs on the roster? Because if they cut either one of them, they're going to get picked up by other teams. Anyways, thank you. Go Pack Go. 
as always, I appreciate the call, Trucker Bob, and the updates on where you're at. It's crazy to me. You'll call the next day, and you're halfway across the country already. But, um, yeah, I know. Um, I'm actually, I'm, I'm a little surprised that's the fastest you've ever clocked anybody, considering how much you're on, on the road. I feel like I've gotten the Astro van probably up to 109 <laughs> when I was younger. Um, as far as the Joe Barry situation, um, I, I don't necessarily buy it in terms of, I mean, maybe, 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 but he knows all coaches. I have a feeling know the positives and negatives of being up in the booth and being down on the field. And remember we did the soul song and dance last time with Mike Petton. He liked to be up in the booth and then we convinced him to come down on the field and it was all crazy. It was going to be great because he's going to be able to interact with his guys and it's, you know, whatever. I don't know what all the positives and negatives are. I assume it would be difficult. I, I feel like it would be difficult to do your job from the sideline. You can't really get a good view of what's going on, but that's where your head coach is. Um, but I think the head coach is getting fed a ton of information from the guys upstairs, and I think that's exactly how the defensive coordinator operates. He's got eyes in the sky kind of giving them a bunch of details. They're charting things. They're kind of telling them, you know, tendencies and all that kind of stuff. And so that – if you can do that, if you can manage with them handling that up there and being able to hold it in your brain and process it, then you have the ability to be down on the field. You, you get to talk to your guys. I mean, directly go up to them on the bench and say, hey, we need this. You know, you got to do this. You know, good play, this, that, or the other. I think it's important to be able to talk to the guys. Um, but if if you can't necessarily do it or you think it would be better to to handle that responsibility yourself as opposed to your subordinates taking that job then yeah i guess you should be up in the booth so i don't know man i i i'm there are positives and negatives and different guys do better in different roles i'm not i'm not necessarily buying it in fact if anything i'm more nervous about it because he knows how to handle being on the sideline and he's never really been up in the booth so whatever we'll see if he sticks with that for week one for the season however that's gonna uh, pan out and um I don't know. I, I I just can't imagine it moves the needle. As far as the running backs, I would say it's more likely they keep two running backs than four running backs. Um, again, I understand the excitement about Emmanuel Wilson, but I don't know that he necessarily fills a need. According to the coaches, they want the number three guy to be essentially what Patrick Taylor is. They don't need another Aaron uh, Aaron Jones. Now, if Aaron Jones gets injured... Maybe you could talk about bringing him up from the practice squad. And yes, I do think Emmanuel Wilson, I know for a fact Patrick Taylor's not getting pe picked up. I mean, there's just, there's no way. I would be kind of surprised if Emmanuel Wilson does as well. As a fan base, we tend to overestimate the need for these guys. I already kind of talked about it yesterday. This is prior to whenever Trucker Bob would have called in, but... um you know, all, all 32 teams are doing the same dance where they're just trying to make sure they can bring their guys back in. They're not as worried about poaching somebody else that's never even taken a snap. And we don't, oh my goodness. What's what she said, Goose? What did I even say? <laughs> You're such a loser. Um, anyways. Oh yeah, the uh, the running back situation. I, I, I think, so here's, here's, I guess, what you'd have to do. Right now I have Patrick Taylor on. A lot of people say two. I'm just going to say it's Patrick Taylor. I've got it at 53. It's definitely doable, but we're going to have to make a cut somewhere. So is it Sean Clifford? No. Is it um, 
either Deguara, Kraft, and Musgrave? No. And to be fair, they're probably going to add a tight end, so we might have to cut two people here. Is it going to be um, Watson, Dobbs, Reed, Ture, Wicks, or Heath? I don't think so. We could potentially cut Heath off of there. Offensive line. Maybe you get rid of the the center. They've already moved Jake Hansen. Uh, they they released him or waived him. Um, James Empey is now in that spot. Are we going to remove James Empey and just go with nine offensive linemen? That's that's doable. We could get rid of Jonathan Ford along the defensive line. Edge, there's almost no way. I mean, it would have to be Justin Hollins, I would guess. And then we would only have four, which is not going to work. Um, if anything, people want more edge rushers, Brenton Cox. Um, get rid of Eric Wilson, the linebacker. I really doubt it, especially with his special teams contributions. Are we going to take off Carrington Valentine or whoever the backup slot corner would be, either Ennis Gaines or Shamar Jean Charles? Are they going to get cut? Um, safety, I've got a bunch, but who are you getting rid of? Maybe Tervarius Moore, possibly. I don't know. I mean, it's it, again, it is doable, but we got to also understand that every person we put on, we got to take somebody off. And, you know, we've got people, they want Wilson on, we want Grant DeBose on, we want Austin Allen in at tight end, we want Caleb Jones playing on the offensive line. These are all people that I do not have on the 53 right now. We want Brenton Cox in there. Uh, you know, if we if we can find a spot for Tariq Carpenter, that'd be great. Um, Corey Ballantyne's look good. Ennis Gaines has looked good. We, we you know, we got to make some tough cuts, and, and this is one that I, I I just don't think. It feels tough for us because he's had some good runs. I just don't think it's going to be tough for the Packers. I could be way off base on this, and he's completely locked in. I just don't think that that's going to be a uh, a big issue for them. So, uh, Blake in Michigan. Ryan, this is Blake from Michigan. It's been a couple months since I called in. It is the morning after the Patriots preseason game. I've got Three football questions and one life question for you. Two football questions. Just I just I love doing this live, and this is what made me <laughs> just chuckling to myself yesterday because I couldn't read the comments and I assumed it was this. I can't even read what uh, what is happening in the comment section right now. You guys are out of control. You know that absolutely out of control. About the preseason game last night. Uh, one thing that I was wondering, maybe between been covered already but uh with the returner job the number one returners are we still thinking nixon at kick returner and maybe Jaden reed at punt returner are those i think nixon at kick returner is 100 percent. reed at punt returner i mean they, they've they've done like the last game you know they gave um samori Ture punt and, and kicks so we didn't really get a chance to see i do think Jaden reed's going to be the punt returner but i don't know we haven't seen a ton of it. It might be Keyshawn Nixon. I don't know if he's 100% locked that up or not, but um, definitely going to be Keyshawn Nixon. We'll see about Jaden Reed. He looked he looked good, and and I think more than anything, he looks comfortable catching it. Knock on wood or whatever, if I can find some wood around here. Um, he looks really comfortable, and I, I don't think he's going to end up letting it hit the ground as much. Sir, our two starters there. Where do you where do you see that kind of shaking out as of? Uh, week two of the preseason in the books. Second quick question for you. Um, I noticed last night, Ture Samori, he uh, was taking a lot of returns, and then I didn't really notice him. Maybe you could check the CFF snap counts for this or figure this out some way. Um, I noticed that Samori didn't really get any receiver reps till the second half, like late third quarter. 
So um, maybe I don't know where do we where do we think he uh, is kind of standing right now. I'm wondering if he could be like a sneaky cut candidate. Um, I don't know. Maybe go through your 53 and discuss that a little bit. Is Samori 100% safe on this roster? Life question for you. Um, Hold up. Before I- all right, I was just trying to pull up the PFF stuff here. So I can't see like by quarter or whatever, um, but I can see how many routes they ran. And he was actually number two. Now, you know, again, granted, he came out later. And I, I will say, because I, I guarantee you, almost everybody listening is like, cut this guy off. Don't ever let him on again. How dare you? How dare you slander Samori Ture? I think there's almost no chance he gets cut, but let me let me throw a little fuel on the fire here. Um, do you remember... <laughs> It's going to piss so many people off. Do you remember Amari Rogers? <laughs> Do you remember when they tried to make a receiver out of him and they didn't like it, and so they tried to save his job? And what did they do to save his job? They tried to make him a returner. And we couldn't understand why they forced it on him so much. Why are they pushing it so hard when he's so bad at it? The reason is, if he loses that job, he's out. He's getting cut. He lost his job and they just let him go. They didn't try to bring him back as a receiver. I'm just saying, if he's out there, um, you know, trying to get a bunch of punts, and he's not really out there until the third quarter, fourth quarter, or whatever, I mean, he's he's clearly not the top three. The, the idea that he's sort of the number one slot guy or whatever, that's, that's garbage. That's never been the case. Reed is that guy. We assume Samori Ture is is the next up, and I think that's probably the case. But Malik Heath and Tay Wicks have been pretty fantastic. Some more fuel to the fire. He ran the second second most routes of anybody on the team, and um, he had the lowest receiving grade on the team. He had one target and zero receptions. You know, I I'll say that there's almost a zero percent chance he gets cut. This year, I will say, though, I think you start looking at next year after they get a chance to evaluate Watson, Dobbs, Reed, Tay Wicks, Malik Heath, Grant DeBose. You know, again, he's a seventh round pick, man. That's basically an undrafted free agent. And, and, and look at again, look at Malik Heath. He seems to be a better receiver right now. So we've got a bunch of guys that are, I would say, on Samori Ture's level, with the exception of not necessarily understanding the offense or, or having sort of that relationship with Jordan Love like like Ture sort of does. I think you give it a year, we reevaluate this. Um I think it's possible. But again, you are getting us both in trouble here with these <laughs> these questions. But it's the last football one. I have a uh two and a half year old girl just found out that uh girl number two is gonna be here after the season. So I'm gonna have two daughters. I there you go. got multiple kids i got a daughter the same age too i've heard people say in the past going from one kid to two kid is one of the biggest jumps um and difficulty as far as parenting goes where do you where do you uh stand on going from kid one to kid two and any tips for having two girls back to back just parenting tips and then last football question you know it's it's funny because i i moved really quickly my wife had a daughter already. So when I got married, I went from, I, I, I was living at home with my, my grandparents. I got my own place very shortly after becoming an adult with my own home and my own career, finally. 
Very quickly thereafter, I'm married. So I'm now a husband, and I'm also a dad, just instantly. That's a big change. And it's crazy how hard it felt. Like, you're so, you don't realize how unbelievably selfish you are until, like, every movement you make is, like, has to be run through a filter of, like, the family. It's not about you, it's about, so that was difficult. But then you have two kids, and it's like, it, it was so easy before. It was so, I cannot believe how much I freaking complained about how hard it was. It was not hard. And then, you know, you, you go to three, you go to four, and it, 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 three was definitely difficult. I think by the time four came around, my my wife and I both semi-checked out. <laughs> just kind of like, whatever. That kid is going to be just spoiled, rotten, just the worst. <laughs> she can just do whatever she wants. I don't care anymore. Uh, the first the first child is very like disciplined because it was like everything had to be perfect and whatever. It's just it is what it is, man. Uh, the, the, the good news is, though, everybody just adapts, right? It's kind of like when you're a kid, it's like, dude, I couldn't be an adult. That's scary. I wouldn't know how to do it. And then you become an adult and it's like, it ain't that bad. You get a job and it's scary and it's, you just you just adapt to it, just like you adapted to, to having one kid. It was not easy having a kid. Big adjustment. And then you have two and it's going to be kind of immediate shot. I'm not really immediate. Shot. It's just cool immediately. But then then it kind of gets to be work after a while. And then you just kind of push through that period and it's just your life. And then just also remember that someday you may have a third and you're going to be wishing that you only had two. So just enjoy it, I guess. But I mean, that's that's the big thing overall anyways, is just to enjoy it. Um, You got one more question. We'll get back to it. Let's see what's going on over here with Brandon. What's going on, Brandon? Oh, who is <laughs> You didn't know we were live, did you? I uh, I did not know I was live. <laughs> uh, is this Ryan? Yeah, dude. Okay, Ryan. <laughs> I have a quick question. All right, and it it involves uh, the hiring of Tom Clements two years ago as the quarterback coach. Yeah. Do you think in a weird roundabout way, Rogers wanted Clements back to help teach Jordan love Mm. what he learned 18 years ago from Tom Clements? That's actually a pretty interesting thought. I'm going to, I'm going to drop you off here. I appreciate the, the call and the question. And uh, if you want to check it out, we're like, I said, we're live right now. So you can can go watch. (laughs) I, I I appreciate the question <laughs> and your answer, and uh, thank you very much. All right, man. Have a good one. Go back home. Yeah. Well, I, I, I like – I always love a good conspiracy theory on the show, and we're, we're going to throw that in the conspiracy theory bucket, that this was a big grand scheme by Aaron Rodgers to help Jordan Love. And I also like it because most of the conspiracy theories around Aaron Rodgers are negative. <laughs> it's all about how he's um, using his big jerk powers to become the – the biggest douche of them all. And um, so this one, this one's a little bit more fun. It is kind of cool too, because you can play with it in, in so far as what does he have to learn from him? I mean, you know, maybe it's a stupid question. He could always teach you more stuff, but I mean, this guy really helped to build Aaron Rodgers. I mean, I guess for him, it's just kind of a friend in the building, but the biggest benefit probably was Jordan love. And yeah, I, I, I don't have any issue. Do I think it's true? Probably not. But we'll just keep that between us. Let's say it's true, because it's a fun story. All right, Aaron Rodgers knows his time is short. He gets that. 
So he's going to bring in the guy that helped build him. He's going to bring him in. He's just buddy. Like, dude, listen, I don't need to hear your bull crap. All right. You already put me through the paces. Just help the kid. All right. Because when I'm out of here, I want him to be on solid footing. I don't want him to get, you know, obliterated in my shadow or whatever. He understands. It's a fantastic story. So we're going to run with it and we're going to say it's true. Let's finish um, Blake's call here. One of my favorite questions to ask about the Packers. Can you confirm or deny do the Bears still suck? Thank you very much. Have a good one. Bye. Can confirm the Bears still suck. And I tell you what, you you have um you have inspired me. I, I gotta do a better job of getting like some soundboard stuff on here. I may be doing a little switcheroo in in the near future where I can actually have a soundboard. That's one of the things that needs to be on there is the Bears still suck. But I don't have it queued up. Um Real quick, I want to hit these comment section um, way behind, but Thomas Austin, loyal person, says, how many edge rushers are currently on? I personally have Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, Justin Hollins, Lucas Van Ness, and Kingsley and Igbari. I would guess a good portion of Packer fans, if asked, have Brenton Cox. Um, in fact, I think maybe the poll that I had uh, would answer that. But again, we're live, so I can't go dig that up. I don't necessarily hate that. But again, he he's he, very unlikely to get stolen if we decide to go practice squad with him. I think he's got a lot of potential. We see it, but it also feels reckless. You know, somebody showed a highlight of him, and he was he cut way to the inside, and it's like, oh man, what a great pressure! It's like, dude, that that edge is gone. Like there is there is a whole field over there that's wide open, and he did it again on the other side, and that's when the quarterback ran for a touchdown. So, and again, I don't know the coaching points and all that, but. I just think he is I'll, – I'll say this because I was given a lot of crap for for being a denier or whatever, which I'm not trying to be negative. It's just a reality. He's, he's undrafted for a reason. And it's not just off-the-field stuff. I mean, you know, there are guys who are elite early first-round picks who have off-the-field issues that get picked, you know, 17th instead of 4th. They don't go undrafted, but um, especially for, like, weed offenses, that's nonsense. But I, but I, I will concede, as a, um, well, I don't proclaim myself to be a Brenton Cox hater, but everybody else does. I will concede that he, he has impressed me. He is a really impressive pass rusher. But I think he's raw, and I think he needs time to develop. Does he need to be on the fifty-three to do that? Not necessarily. Can he be on the fifty-three? Do I trust that he'd be a decent rotational player? Yeah, maybe. But I don't think he has to be. So I don't think it's a necessity that we put him on the fifty-three. I think it's a necessity that we make sure that we retain him, and I think we will. And I think the practice squad is a perfect spot for him. He can sit. He can learn. He can grow. Next year we come back, we reevaluate some stuff, and maybe he can make a push, you know. Um, and, and there's another preseason game coming up. There's another practice coming up. We'll see. Um, again, he is definitely a bubble guy that I am kind of torn on. I've got to kind of get through here and and try to refine this a little bit. I'm doing a thing with uh, – uh, Mr. Jake Shavink and JJ with our 53. So I got to make sure I got this buttoned up, but I don't intend to have Brenton Cox on it. I would love for you guys to try to persuade me while we're here though. Um, comment section. We will come back in a minute. Let's see what, uh, Dakota's got going on. Hey y'all. This is Dakota that married in Tennessee. Um, I'm, you know, I've been wanting to call on several different occasions, but you know, I've been working and I get real fired up after, after hearing some folks talk on there on Packernet after dark, and then uh, then you know I I can't call back immediately. I have to take care of something at work, and then the fire just kind of dissipates. And 
And I don't know. I don't know if anybody else does that. Like, I'll get real, real revved up for a second, and then something will strike me. I'm like, well, I, I don't have that passion anymore. The call's not going to be as good. Like, when Jersey Mike called that one time was, you know, telling how to be a, a leader and how, you know, Aaron Rodgers wouldn't do it. But what Jordan Love needs to do is get Tucker Craft and say, you know, tell him you're bigger than him, you're a dog. I, was, I got fired up, man. Yeah. Like, that was that was some good stuff. Um, anyway, not about 30 minutes later after I heard that and I took care of something at work, I didn't have any fire anymore. <laughs> oh, so that's just completely pointless. What I really wanted to talk about was what it means is that the fire isn't in you, man. You got to build the fire in yourself. That's the, that's the thing. That's the Tony Robbins speech of the day. I don't know if he would say that or not, but I'm just saying other people get you jacked up, but you don't have it in you. And I'm probably not helping you much because I'm just a freaking walking wet blanket. Um, so I do not understand this Jonathan Owen experiment. Um, I, I mean, if he's a situational player that, that has gap duties as a safety, yes, okay. But, I mean, I saw Rudy Ford of, of the few, relatively few plays I got to see um, because I could not figure out how to heck to watch this game uh, against the, the Patriots without it dying on me. But um, I, I saw Rudy Ford, you know, run up, make a tackle. It, it looked nice. I don't know what his grade was. I, I assume it wasn't that good. But I also assume it was better than Jonathan freaking Owen. <laughs> so I'm not entirely sure what was going on with this uh, Jonathan Owen experiment. I do not understand. I think we just need to put – Rudy Ford up in there, leave Rizul where he's at, hope that Carrington Valentine can contribute in a real NFL game, but he don't need to be up, you know, taking Rizul's spot. It's just, it's just, I don't know. I'm confused. But, uh, yeah, as you can tell, I'm a little distracted, so I guess I'm going to leave it there. Jonathan Owen experiment. Thoughts? All right. Peace, y'all. Well, what's crazy about it is, <laughs> oh, my goodness, I just looked this up. For my own edification, I'm I'm I am I am a hundred thousand percent on board with everything that you're saying right now because I don't get it. I said it already. If you look last year, two of the worst safeties in football, like bottom five, were Darnell Savage, as we know, right? Guy struggled. The other was Jonathan Owens, just horrifically bad. As of right now, it appears that Jonathan Owens, if I had to guess, is our number two safety. He's been getting the most snaps. I think today was Ford, but Rudy Ford hasn't had number two snaps in like over a month. It's been a long time. Um, so as I said, Jonathan Owens was horrifically bad last year, and we brought him on, and I didn't really understand why. Just through the preseason, I want to give you the grades through two weeks for all of our safeties that have played semi-significant snaps some of them are filtered out including savage but actually you know what let me just see just to see if it makes my point even better you know what it does <coughs> let's just include everybody even if they don't have a ton of snaps actually our highest graded safety is darnell savage he only took six snaps but he has a 74 grade tarvarius moore 73.6 dallin levitt 70.6 anthony johnson 70.2 very close together benny sapp 66.5 rudy ford 66.3 so all of our safeties 66 to 74 like they're right you can't even see my hands right sandwiched in there jonathan owens is a 47.3 47.3 <laughs> freaking what are we doing here 
has he no he hasn't given up a touchdown but um two targets one reception 32 yards that's the most given up the next most is anthony johnson giving up 10 yards 22 yards after the catch is the most average up the target is the most um highest uh passer rating when targeted so he was one of the worst safeties in football last year and we're going to try to put him next to savage who was one of the worst safeties in football despite the fact that Jonathan Owens right now is one of the worst safeties in the preseason. I'm with you. I don't have any answers to the question, my friend, and I just I hope that either we are just completely blind to something or that um, the Packers see it and they're just trying to give him as best of a shot as they can before they cut him. I don't know. I don't really understand the Jonathan Owens thing. But again, it does appear to me anyways that he is going to be um, – probably going to be why have i gotten seventy thousand phone calls blaine dude i'm doing the podcast blaine and my wife and doctor and 1-800 and nobody ever calls me rashawn gary andy says in the comment section is back in action does he get over or under 1.5 sacks against the chicago bears i think it's a fantastic question i'm gonna go with under i shouldn't should be a hype thing but i'm going to but i think one would be fantastic but if you're in the uh, comment section live, drop a uh, drop a comment. I'm curious what you guys think. I think I think he gets a sack, but I, 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 if I had to set the line, I'd probably set it at 0.5. But everybody would go over, so you're probably right to set it there. Where are we at with time? That's perfect timing. Um, Thomas Austin says 1.5 is right on. Go through some comments real quick. Coda says, unfortunately, I do remember Amari Rogers. <laughs> Rogers screwed Rogers. Uh, so excited. Bain is back. Also, I like Ture, but if we have six wide receivers better than him, then I'm good with moving on. DeBose or Ture? Heath, you mean Lizard King 2.0. Yes, I do. All right. Why don't we take a quick break? We'll come back and we'll see what uh, Jeff from Minneapolis has to say. In the hobby, it's not easy being a fan of ripping packs or repacks. We get all hyped up thinking we're going to get some high-value Jordan Love card, but with zero transparency on available cards and hit rates, it's all just a shot in the dark. Until now, introducing Slab Packs from ArenaClub.com, the only repack that provides real value, a complete view on all possible cards, and clear hit rates for each one. Now when I buy Slab Packs on Arena Club, it finally feels like I know what I'm getting. And honestly, the best thing for me and my son is the fact that we're kind of novices into this. When I walk into a card shop with my son, and a card says it costs $40, kind of just taking his word for it that that's a good value. So I appreciate the transparency on grading, as well as just getting excited about seeing what you could potentially get. Right now, you can get 10% off your first purchase by going to arenaclub.com slash packdaddy. Wow, that's crazy offer. 10% off a $400 slab pack. That's 40 bucks right there. Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. We all have smartphones, and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So U.S. Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. 
Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Ryan, here's Jeff calling in again. Hey, um, question for you. I'm, I'm looking at the Packers roster, and it looks like this is a team that could keep seven wide receivers. Um, when you start to look at at who you don't want to lose by putting on the practice squad, I'm wondering if you're going to keep seven. Thoughts on that? Thanks, bud. One, two, three, four, five, six. I mean, it's doable, but kind of like everything else, is, is it necessary? Because I'm, I'm guessing seven would have to be who? Debose? Who would seven be? I should get this comment off of here before I get in trouble. I don't know what that means. I'm trying to figure out what the heck you're talking about. Um, yeah, I, I just I don't see the necessity of it. Um, I, I think the assumption would be Grant DeBose, at least as far as my 53. Some people maybe already have him on. But I have Watson, Dobbs, Reed, Ture, Wicks, and Heath. And um, I don't I don't necessarily see a need for anybody else. You know, Bo Melton had like a little flash of something, but he hasn't done much since, and he's been injured for a while. And Cody Crest had like two games where he kind of broke out after he got here and has been quiet since. He had the one catch in preseason. And then Jadix responds and Deuce Watts. I mean, there's just no way. So, yeah, we could do seven. We could put Grant DeBose on there. Again, I just I don't see it as necessity. If I was going to add somebody, again, you've got Brenton Cox just staring at you in the face. Um, I don't know who else I'd want to put on here. I've got a pretty loaded 53. Caleb Jones is a consideration, not that we necessarily need him. Austin Allen would be uh, probably one of the biggest ones or a tight end of some stripe. And yeah, you could say Emmanuel Wilson, I guess, if you had to add somebody. But um, yes, you could do seven. I don't think they're going to do seven. And again, I just uh, don't necessarily see the necessity of it. Ryan, Kyle from Madison. How hey, are you? Hope you had a good weekend, man. So, Enjoyed the game. So maybe you'll have talked about all this stuff by the time this plays, but which is usually the case. But I just want to get my couple notes on the game um i'll try to get it on one phone call probably won't happen i'll call back but i wanted to start with just a response to your response to my take on the creed humphrey uh conversation uh last week so i hear what you're saying right i hear what you're saying i'm not one of these people that's like on the hill dying about tj watt versus kevin king but but and i thought Myers played okay. I think that snap was on him, if I understand LeFleur correctly, that he thought the guy had jumped and he's supposed to trigger the uh, the, the uh, football, you know, to catch the guy in the neutral zone, but it just wasn't. Um, but I'm not going to, you know, whatever. Uh, it's preseason. I'm not going to hold that against him. I'm not saying the guy's going to be a bust. I'm just saying when you see what Humphrey's doing for the Chiefs and you imagine that yeah. on us, but I do no, and, and and again, all I'm saying is they're kind of separate things, right? There's we missed on Creed Humphrey as everybody did. I mean, that dude should have been a borderline top ten pick. I mean, he's one of the best offensive linemen in football. 
if anybody had known he was going to be that good, he would have been gone a long time ago, even though he's a center. Um, but I, I, I just separate them. You know what I mean? It just, it seems a little bit unfair because rather than judging the pick based on what he is, which I genuinely think he's a pretty good center. I know I'm, I, I am like the 1% in this conversation. But he is, again, the pass blocking is the most important thing, and he has it. Run blocking isn't great. Most offensive linemen are not super good run blockers. And and there's, I mean, you think Zach Tom's going to come in and down? He, he can't even run block as a tackle. What what difference is he going to make as a, as a center? So the snapping is is an issue for sure. But I, I I think we have a good center. He took a big jump from year one to year two. I'm still excited to see if he takes a jump from year two to year three. I'm still waiting to see that. And and man, I mean, no, oh, whatever. It doesn't matter. But Again, they're they're two separate things. I don't want to say that the one is a failure because it could have been somebody else. So, yes, there's a miss at Creed Humphrey, which, again, everybody missed on, except the Chiefs the second time around. I'm assuming they had a first. Um, but, but I want him to be judged and the pick to be judged on its own merits. And so far, I don't think it's a bad pick. I don't. We'll see. If this thing becomes a massive disaster which I don't think it will. I mean, he, there were issues with Rodgers too, and they they occasionally something bad would happen. But that wasn't like the thing that shut everything down. Again, he was a decent center last year. Connor, reject the argument you're giving in this case, all right? Because you're saying, well, look, 32 teams missed on him. Not really, okay? Because if we go back into that, if we go back into what was going on, we had moved on from Lindsley, okay? We didn't address the position in free agency. So we knew we needed a center and we needed one that was going to start. Yeah. And that's why we took Josh Myers. None of these guys were going to go in the first round. But Creed Humphrey should have. Right? I mean, if we're being honest about it and saying he's this good and and we should have known, like it was a big miss by us, we can't say it's a big miss by us when the entire league missed. We can't pretend that he was picked in the right spot and we just missed him by one pick. The entire league misevaluated him because his talent is conducive of probably getting picked around 10, right? I mean, legitimately. I don't remember who all else was picked, but, I mean, you're talking one of the best offensive linemen in football. He should have been picked in in and around that range. Clearly. But uh, they weren't going to make it to where the Packers picked in the third round either. Right. So, Well, I mean, they made their decision with Josh Myers, so it wasn't a matter of he wasn't going to make it around. It was a misevaluation, but it wasn't a misevaluation. This is the main point I'm trying to make. It wasn't a misevaluation, and this is why they get blurred and I want them separated. When I say it's a misevaluation, it's saying we need a center, and we took a center, and we got a good center. The thing that we missed is we need a center, we took a center, and the other center that that was there available ended up being better. That was sort of the—and the, I'm sure they looked at Humphrey and liked him, but he, he just— he didn't quite fit their profile to what they usually pick, and so they defaulted to Myers. I'm sure they were well aware of the potential of Creed Humphrey, but they were afraid of of maybe the the floor or the low side of of what he could potentially be. So, again, it's it's we speak in broad terms like misevaluation, but I, I just I just want to be specific in what's happening rather than speaking broadly, as though one pick was bad because of 
you know, the, the other guy was slight, you no, know, not slightly, but the other guy was a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. Best player available all that. We know that that only applies, you know, half the time, you know, uh, Anders Carlson was not the best player available. They need a kicker, right? Like this stuff happens, but the Packers went into the second round knowing they were going to have to get their starting center. Right. I am Myers. as sure as I can be about that without actually knowing. I mean, but that would have made sense. And they literally had Josh Myers, you know, one year, second team, big 10 team guy against Humphreys who, I mean, man, did you watch him play for Oklahoma? And he was absolutely exploding people. I mean, he, he, this guy was coming off back-to-back Big 12 player of the, or offensive lineman of the year awards. This wasn't a secret. And to me, my point is that this was a either-or proposition in my mind between them, and they chose they chose Myers over Humphrey, and that, that hurts me um, a lot because I just think it would be a lot different offensive line. And I just want to get that back at you. I'm, I'll call back. Yeah, and, and and again, I just I think it's somewhat of an unfair argument, and 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 I understand what you're saying because you even at that time felt like this guy was automatic, but everybody thinks that about somebody, right? I mean, you could you could apply that same logic to Christian Watson being a terrible decision. Christian Watson's a small school guy. I mean, it, it's 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 stupid when we got other guys on the table. You know, you could have taken Sky Moore. You could have taken Alec Pierce. Did you watch him? He looked literally like Jordy Nelson. And you took Christian Watson. You know, I mean, you, you can do that in a lot of different situations. And sometimes you're right and sometimes you're wrong, and that's the whole point. Everybody has to make evaluations. The Packers made an evaluation. I don't know what went into that decision. But I, I stand by the fact that the league as a whole missed on Creed Humphrey. A guy that's that talented was misevaluated if he went in the second round. His talent if if you did a redraft, he would not go in the second round. He would not make it into the 20s. There's no way in the world. I would be shocked if he made it to midway through the first round. So, you know, again, it's easy to go back and look and say, yeah, if you watched it everybody knew. No, they didn't. A lot of people in the draft community thought they knew. And of course, there's a ton of hype about of a ton of guys. Everybody's hyped up. Everybody's the greatest. Everybody's amazing. And the reality is most guys end up sucking. Occasionally, some are, they meet the hype or they're good, but not quite the hype. And, um, you know, sometimes they exceed it like Reed Humphrey. But even then, e- even then, it's like, well, everybody should have known, right? You can look at Kingsley and Igbare. That was an incredible job by the Green Bay Packers to be able to pick him up. But instead, the attitude, instead of like, wow, that's a great evaluation by the Packers, is uh, everybody else is stupid. Everybody knew like he was so great. I don't know. I just, that's not how I, I guess, generally view things. Hey, Kyle again. That's not the game. Um, Man, I'll tell you what. Jordan Love's floor sure keeps raising, doesn't it? Pause. And yes, by the way. Hello, hi, what's your name? Hey, it's caller number five. What's going on, man? Not, not much. I uh, just had a quick question for you and then a comment about Rogers. All right. So um, question, would you rather have um, LVN have an impactful rookie season or would you rather have Luke Musgrave have a, an impactful Ooh. rookie season? 
Um, I think both positions are pretty important. Uh, I'm leaning towards tight end because that makes our offense dynamic, but I'd love to get your thoughts. And then the comment was going to be about Rogers. Uh, this tweet I saw about Rogers, where it said he won't be snappy to teammates anymore if they mess up. I'm not the snappy type anymore was the quote, uh, which I think is really hilarious because he seems to be doing all the right leadership things now that he's out of green Bay. Uh, and I'm just curious if we're paying a, if we had to pay a goot tax, um, super annoying. But anyway, that was my question. My comment. All right. I appreciate it, man. Take care. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it, it does It does feel that. I mean, goot tax is a fantastic way to put it. It feels like we had to pay a goot tax. You know, it's 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 hard to believe that he's suddenly having all these epiphanies at the exact same time. I, I just, I, mean, I said it before, it, it, that's essentially what it was. It was, he was doing things to spite one person, and it hurt everybody in the process. Maybe it was not necessarily to spite him, but he's just unhappy and whatever. I don't know. It's It's just... Whatever. I don't know. Um, Luke Musgrave or Lucas Van Ness? Be sure to leave a comment, by the way. Let me know what you think. I, I I was leading Lucas Van Ness, but I do think Musgrave is probably the right answer. We have pass rushers. We got Gary. We got Smith. We got uh, Kingsley's looking pretty solid. We'll see what Hollins can do. Um, so I think even a mediocre Lucas Van Ness can be beneficial for our for our team. But yeah, having a having a weapon like Luke Musgrave on on top of just the general damage that that could do, we know how impactful really good tight ends are in the NFL. There, I don't think there's a team in the NFL that has like an elite tight end that sucks. Like Baltimore has one, and assuming their quarterback can stay healthy, they're absolutely playoff contenders. Um, you've got uh, the San Francisco 49ers have one. They somehow continue to succeed. Obviously, the Super Bowl champions. I mean, these are like the top guys. I'm sure there's a couple good tight ends on on not great teams, but it's massively impactful. But then on top of that, being able to help Jordan Love. I mean, this is a, a big priority for this season is for Jordan Love to be able to be successful. But that is a good question. And it is not, for me anyways, not the easiest question. But anyways, uh, back to Kyle. I mean, I, I am really looking forward to the time coming soon when we can stop talking about will he be good and the conversation can switch to how good can he be? Because I think we are nearly um, at that point. I called you a couple weeks ago and I had said that my wish for the offense this year was to maximize these playmakers' abilities to playmake and not button it up and run the ball and that we needed to mitigate these you know, procedural kind of young team mistakes by getting some explosive plays. And so far, it looks like that's what they're doing. I'm really happy about that. I love the mix of the runs with some really nice downfield looks and some intermediate passes, and I think they've got a great mix going. And I'm super pumped about that. I think wide receivers are really freaking interesting. We've got some – I mean, I – I'm sure people are talking about Malik Heath. I mean, how can you not be? I don't know what else you could possibly do. I mean, guy's helmet's getting rolling down the field, and he's getting up just oh, screaming. I mean, yeah. I, I think he's moved into four. I think it's Watson, Dobbs, Reed, Heath. What's interesting to me is, and I don't know what this, maybe you'll know. It is funny you said that because we, you know, just had the conversation about could Samore be on his way out. Um, and again, I don't think so. But, yeah, I mean, it, it, assuming Tay is healthy, you got Tay and Malik Heath. I, I I wouldn't be surprised if they are a step ahead of where Samori Ture is. 
I'm just saying. Well, by the time this comes out, what the status of Wix is, is that, you know, maybe they try and squeeze him on top for a few weeks or, or one of those designations. But my, I'm wondering, like, are they trying Torrey at the, the returner? Because they don't think they have a receiver with him anymore. Like, is he in danger? That's Because I think they don't think DeBose is going to make it up to the practice squad. That's just a guess. But it's going to get real interesting um, if they only keep six. Hell, even if they keep seven, it's going to get interesting. So, I mean, is Torrey the one? Is he the odd man out? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. And, and Melton, I, I just – he's made it to the practice squad once with Seattle. I think they're going to – think they can get him on, but we'll see. Uh, the only other thing, well, a lot of things stood out, but uh, is it just me or does Matt LaFleur look different? I mean, he sounds different. Um, he, he sounds like a guy who just had, like, their annoying middle manager fired and, and was promoted or something. He, he's got, I don't know, he just seems more badass right now, um, kind of more genuine and a lot less soft, and I don't know if that's, you know, Rogers and the amount of kind of politics and dancing around he had to do or what. But to me, I just, he seems like a different guy this year. So I just want to get your thoughts on all that. All right. Appreciate the coverage, buddy. Well, there definitely seems to be a better energy for the team in general. And you could see where things last year were sort of deteriorating. Um, there was obviously a lot of frustration, but, you know, part of that is with the season not going well. But I also do think Aaron Rodgers played a big part in that, not necessarily just because of his attitude. Pause. What's going on, brother man? Hello. Hype man. What's up, Brian? Hey. How's it going, man? There he is. What's up? You hear me? Yeah. What's going on, man? So, um, you know, this whole talk about Rogers being different and stuff, I think it's I think it's just a situation with him being excited about a new place. He's been in Green Bay a long time. I think he's a dude that just he wants to be traveling the world, doing a lot of things and um Yeah. You know, I think he it just kind of became a point where like he wanted to kind of do something different, you know? And he didn't really like Gutekunst a whole lot, maybe. But uh, I think it was just kind of a situation thing. And that's the reason he's so jacked up about being on the Jets. But eventually, that'll kind of wear off, you know? Yeah. So um, that's kind of my take on Rodgers. And I also am really excited that the media is now turning the corner and they're on board with Jordan Love. Yeah. I And, and be sure to check out tomorrow's podcast. It is literally two hours of me going through clips of people gushing over Jordan Love. So don't miss that one. All right. <laughs> Screw me, I guess. Hey, hi there. Um, no, I, I, I don't... Uh, <laughs> some bugs to work out with this whole system. Uh, I don't disagree with um, with any of that. And I, I again, from a human level, I somewhat understand it, but the, I think the bottom line is he was disgruntled here. And the reason it's worth even mentioning is because a lot of us were told that the things we were saying... All right. Hello. It's not answering. It's Doug again. I don't know what the heck's going on. We were told that um, a lot of this stuff wasn't actually happening, right? He wasn't being a bad leader. Everything he was doing was just fine. You guys are overreacting. This is all nonsense. Dude, what are we doing here? 
Doug. Is your phone? Oh. Hey, there he is. What's up? Hey, sorry. I think we had some technical issues, but yeah, no, that's the thing is that like a lot of people like to put a blame on Rogers and say, you know, like he's doing all this stuff that's new and um, he's kind of dissing the Packers, but I think he's just a dude that wants to do new things. If you were on the same team for like what, how long he was like, you know, sometimes that might happen, right? Like I kind of can understand it a little bit when he feels like the team's not really doing everything they can that he wants. Right. Yep. No, I appreciate that, man. Appreciate the call. All right. Um, man, I'm so confused. <laughs> got three different conversations going on at once. I got to get back to Kyle and remember what he said. But again, it's it's you're right. It's not necessarily about he's doing something wrong now, even though I mean it 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 is for in a sense because it's just frustrating because it illustrates it shines a light on how bad things were here. Garrett, what's going on? Hey, I I think uh, the records show that your extended warranty has expired, and I would like to just talk to you about that a little bit. Go ahead. Or we could <laughs> – I got 17 things I want to discuss about Anders Carlson. Great. Start with the first one. No. Start okay. with the third one, actually. No. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm pulling your leg. All right. Hey, I just wanted to ask you, when it comes to the season opener with love mm-hmm. – what is your expectations for like over under how many touchdowns does he throw? How does our defense look versus their defense? Just throwing out there that first game. All right, dude. Well, I appreciate the call. Nope. I can start using that hold function and putting people on hold. I'm, I'm so beyond lost. Aaron Rodgers was not doing things right here. That has been become very clear. That is not debatable anymore. And you can make excuses. Well, Gutekunst was a bad person. Okay. Well, Roger still chose to be a douchebag about it. So that was his choice. Getting back to Garrett now. Over under on Jordan Love. I haven't really contemplated that. Um, it's hard. To, I mean, I, I could go back and kind of look at what some of my projections were before about Jordan Love. Um as far as like touchdowns per game and whatnot, and what his season was going to be. But let's just say, um, I'm I'm gonna I was gonna say like 1.5 touchdowns, but I don't, I don't think so. This dude goes out in a preseason and in in two drives, he ends up with a touchdown. <laughs> so he's like two touchdowns on four drives here, um, in the preseason so far. Um, man, oh man, what does he do? And the Bears' defense is terrible. I mean, he's, you know, maybe a little bit of a slow start. I'll tell you what. I'm going to say Jordan Love has three touchdowns. Um, what what do I even look at here? What am I trying to figure out? What what could I say about how many yards he gets? What does he have so far here? He got um, 84 and a touchdown in just his eight attempts. <laughs> that's That's crazy. Hold on. So if we just do, let's call it just 68. Mm-hmm. Whew. How about 350 yards and three touchdowns? Is that stupid? That might be stupid. But I feel like I want to do it anyways. That's high. And it's it's just spitting right in Justin Fields' face because that dude, he can't throw for 300 yards to save his life. <laughs> let's just say plus 300. So over 300, 
and three touchdowns, passing touchdown. Uh, no, 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 no. I'll give myself an out there. Three touchdowns. That's what we're going to do. Ah, oh, Kyle. What were we talking about, Kyle? Uh, the, the wide receivers, something about that. Dang it. Oh, Matt LaFleur and his attitude and all that stuff. Yeah, the so the, the energy is definitely better with the team overall. It's one of the things I kind of talked about tomorrow on the podcast is even the media has like it, it's it's so weird because you listen to them talk positively about the Packers and I make the claim tomorrow that this is like the first time we've heard positivity about the Packers in like five six years and that sounds silly because it's like we were good in 21 people said nice things yeah but it was always begrudgingly you just always felt like the media started to hate the Packers after a while and they didn't like it it's kind of like yeah that's that stupid garbage freaking team with that coach that isn't actually good, but he just looks good because of Rodgers and that front office that's just so stupid and those dumb backwoods redneck fans and these this just stupid organization that's being dragged around by, by Aaron Rodgers and that dude can't do jack in the postseason. I'm so sick of this team. You know what I mean? Like it, it was, yes, they're going to be good, but whatever. Now it almost feels kind of fresh, like they hit the reset button, and I didn't really expect it. But again, we're going to spend two hours tomorrow going through a lot of the positivity that is now being circulated about the Packers. And it does kind of feel fresh. It feels different. It feels kind of like actual positivity, actual excitement from the media about this, which I haven't heard like excitement about the Packers in such a long time. Maybe, you know, a little bit about Christian Watson when he went through his, his little patch there. But as a team, when was the last time like the team as a whole? And, and I'm telling you, man, Tom, give me two seconds here. Never mind. I can't do it with that thing blaring into my ear. Tommy boy. Hey, so I was listening. Uh, do you think the reason why the media has let up a little bit is because the Packers aren't teams threatening anymore? That they're not like, yo, yeah, the Packers. It'll be fun to watch this season. It's not going to do anything, but they'll be fun. Because with Rodgers, they're always a threat. They're always seen as a threat. A lot of people didn't like Rodgers, and so maybe that's the reason why people always kind of bash the Packers. Because you, they don't like us because they, you know, they ain't us. Yeah. You know what I mean? Hate us because they ain't us. I get it. And so that's, that's my thought process for that matter is uh, maybe that's the reason why that they've let up a little bit is because they're not too worried about the Packers. And I know it's a little what's the word here egotistic to think that all these guys think about the Packers like that but at the same time it is one of the most you know decorated have long-lasting legacy and for the past couple decades have been pretty well dominant not necessarily in the playoffs but overall as a team and so now that it's let up they're like oh yeah fine we'll, we'll be nice to them they're not the Bears you know yeah are, are you uh are you on the lake Am I calling from the lake? Yeah. Sounds like there's a waterfall or something. Uh, no, that's just my vehicle and probably my AC on. It's hot out. Yeah, I thought it was something cool. All right, man. I appreciate the call. All righty. Back to right. it. Bye. So it kind of actually ties into what I've been saying about the media and whatnot. And, and I'll say I don't necessarily think so because the media thought we weren't a threat and they were been gloating all offseason. They've been so happy about it all offseason. It, it, it's not like, well, they're not a threat. They're, oh, look how cute. And they could have been that way. Like, oh, yeah, maybe they get. It's been more like you freaking bunch of jag off losers 
have been terrorizing us for years, and now you're going to suffer. You're going to freaking suffer, and I'm going to laugh in your face. So this sort of about face that's happening where it's like, oh, boy, they could really be some. It just it just uh, what I'm saying is it feels like it has a different feel to it. It has a different feel in terms of. Again, we go through a lot of it tomorrow. I don't want to talk about all of it today, but. um, Just in terms of feeling like there is a new sort of energy behind this team that people are starting to buy into. And it's weird because even. Because I didn't really think it was that big of a deal. Like we looked okay, we looked fine. Jordan Love looks looks good. It's not like the greatest performance a quarterback has ever done through two games and you know ten passes or whatever. But you know it looked good. But it's like all of a sudden everybody is not just behind Jordan, but the entire organization. Gutekunst is a genius for building this team that can support Jordan Love. Like what? Since when? I mean, I don't disagree, but since freaking when is the media talking about what a great job Brian Gutekunst has done to build around Jordan Love? I thought this whole this whole problem was that Aaron Rodgers didn't have anything. Now suddenly there's this great foundation here for a quarterback to sit behind. And Matt LaFleur, oh, he's got this great elite young passing, uh, this offensive-minded genius play caller. Like Since when? I thought he was getting dragged around like a puppy by Aaron Rodgers. So yeah, I'm I'm just uh I'm a little excited. I'm also a little nervous because I feel like if Jordan Love throws a single interception, it's all just gonna go to zero. It's it's part of the reason why I want it to happen even more. But um no, it it, it it's very it's very interesting because I didn't expect it. I didn't think this is how the media would handle it. I thought that they would be very angry because they seem to really want the downfall of the Packers to happen. And maybe the reason that they're just not showing it is because they're trying to get out in front of it. This is the new cool hip thing to do is to get on the Packers bandwagon so everybody's jumping on it. And you don't want to seem like you're begrudging because you want to seem like you were the, you saw it all along, which is what 90% of them said. Back back six months ago, I told you. Yeah, in between like Packers hate, love hate, this guy hate. Oh, here's a little clip of me saying Jordan could be good. Here's some more hate, some more hate. They're all full of crap. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Real quick. Smash that like button, says Daniel. If you're in here and you're not subscribed, please subscribe. Please hit the bell notification so that you know when we go live every single time and you don't call in accidentally when we are uh, you know, actually live and whatnot, which works out fine. But uh, please do me that favor. I'm trying to get this thing built up a little bit, so if you could uh, help with that, that would be absolutely fantastic. We are going to get out of here. We're right at an hour. So, again, I appreciate all of you. Make sure you're subscribed. Check out the Packernet podcast right there. And I'll catch you all tomorrow.